One of my favorite parts about being an English teacher is answering your questions about English words that are useful in conversations. In today's English lesson, I'll teach you eight advanced adjectives and I'll show you exactly how to use them in conversations. If you enjoy this English lesson, make sure to visit EnglishWithKayla.com to sign up for my six-week Upgrade to Native Conversation course. In the course, you'll have listening exercises each week, you'll learn over 200 new vocabulary words and phrases, and you'll have speaking practice that you can do on your own each week that will help you start sounding like a native English speaker. Visit EnglishWithKayla.com to sign up now. Let's get started with our English lesson. Why do so many Americans feel apathetic when it comes to politics in the United States? Some days it can feel like the majority of people in the United States are numb or apathetic to what's going on in politics. Citizens here feel like the people in power just don't have their best interests. I think this apathetic attitude can be pretty common in the rest of the world as well. If you describe someone as apathetic, which is our first advanced word, it means that they don't care much about what's going on or they're putting very little effort into a task. If you ask someone that's very close to you that you know very well, why are you being so apathetic today? They might say, I'm just having a rough day or I just really don't care about this anymore. So usually being apathetic is a very negative trait to have because it means that you're not putting much effort into things and you're not doing your best. Some people are very enthusiastic about sports. The opposite of being enthusiastic is to be apathetic. When you take a person that's very apathetic to a sporting event, they don't really care who wins. They might be more entertained by going to get food and watching the sidelines. They just don't care. They're apathetic. So this word is super common in English and it's very useful to add to your advanced vocabulary. What does it mean if someone is being strategic or if you call a plan strategic? So when you're being strategic, it means you have an interest in what's going to happen long term. And usually you're trying to do something that will benefit you in the long term. The best example I can think of this adjective is to think of a chess player. The greatest chess player in the world, Magnus Carlsen, this Norwegian lad, he is so strategic. He thinks up to 15 moves ahead and sometimes maybe more. So everything that he does in the game is very calculated and very strategic. So usually in English, when we say that someone did something very strategic, it's usually positive and we're usually complimenting the way that they think. An intelligent person is typically very strategic. Can you explain the meaning of being hesitant? Is it good or is it bad? So I would say it's typically a bad thing to be hesitant. It means you're not very confident in what you're doing or the answer that you're giving. If you ask someone, hey, do you want to eat some pizza with me for dinner? And they say, um, sure. They're giving a very hesitant answer. They don't sound confident and they don't sound very sure about what they're saying. Someone who's very hesitant is always second guessing what they're going to do and they have a lot of doubts about the decision or the action that they're doing. Sometimes if you work in sales and it seems like the person doesn't want to buy what you're selling, you could say, why are you so hesitant? Or what are you so hesitant about? 
This means what are you second guessing and what are you doubting? Keep in mind that you can use hesitation as a noun. So you might hear someone ask the question, why is there hesitation? This means why are we not acting? Why are we thinking about what we're doing and doubting what we're doing? My motto in life is to always do things with confidence and try not to be hesitant, but that's just me personally. What does it mean if something is occupied or someone is occupied? So something can be occupied or someone can be occupied. This advanced adjective can be used in tons of ways. Let's talk about a few of the most common ways. So first of all, in the United States, you might see a bathroom, and if it has a sign that says occupied, it means the bathroom is locked and it is occupied by a person. And by bathroom, I mean the restroom, whatever you want to call it. So if it's occupied, it's being used. Occupied can also mean to be busy and active. So if you say, my mind is very occupied right now, it means you're thinking about a lot of things. Maybe you have a big decision to make and you're weighing all of your options. We also sometimes say like a child is occupied. That means they're busy, they're having fun, they don't need any outside attention because they're occupied with what they're doing. If you've ever had a cat, and a laser pointer, you might occupy your cat by pointing the laser pointer around the room and they're very busy and excited with chasing the laser around. So we can either use occupied to mean busy or used, or we can use it to mean excited, active, and entertained. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why do people get so sentimental about growing up? So people get really sentimental about growing up, and I am definitely one of those people. I am very sentimental. So this adjective means that you're very emotional, you have a lot of sadness, easy, and you can be very nostalgic. This word nostalgic means you think of the past often. So every year around my birthday, I get nostalgic from a year before on my birthday or when I was much younger on my birthday. And each year that my children get older, I look at old pictures of them and I get nostalgic for when they were very small babies and I just miss the past. I'm very sentimental when it comes to all of these things, especially getting older. If you're a sentimental person, you'll definitely cry during movies like The Notebook or My Sister's Keeper, which I would highly recommend. Those are great movies, but they invoke a lot of emotion and a lot of sadness as well. So if you're sentimental, you definitely cry easily during movies or during very emotional situations that involve thinking about the past or past memories. Have you ever had a debilitating injury? I've had two debilitating injuries in my life. The first one was when I was only 14 years old. I broke my leg playing soccer. I was a very competitive soccer player. So of course I broke my leg and I couldn't walk for many, many weeks. And then recently I had a terrible, debilitating, embarrassing injury on my wrist. I broke my wrist 
at the playground with my children. So embarrassing. And I was completely debilitated for a few weeks. I couldn't help cook. I couldn't help clean. I could barely type at my computer because I could not use my arm. So someone who is debilitated or something that is debilitating, it makes you weak either mentally or physically. Some people suffer from debilitating anxiety. This means their anxiety or their worries are so bad they can't seem to get out of bed for the day or they can't work a normal job or things like that. So you could say a certain disease is debilitating and makes you very weak to the point where you can't move and do things. Or you could say something like a headache is debilitating even though it will go away. In that moment, you just can't do anything about it and you physically are just very weak. Or you could say that extremely hot weather is debilitating. You can't go out and do things. You can hardly stay in your house because it's so hot. So this word is, again, super useful and it's a very advanced way to say that it weakens you. Do you ever find teaching English to be repetitive? Absolutely not. The greatest thing about teaching English is that I get all sorts of interesting questions about the language that I've never answered before, and I get to think of new explanations that will really help my students use the language. If you call something repetitive, it means that it repeats or it has a pattern that becomes very boring. If you call something repetitive, you might find it super unnecessary. To me, this is my personal opinion, the show The Bachelor and The Bachelorette they're very popular in the United States, but they're just so repetitive. Each season is the same thing. One person dates many other people looking for love, and there's always the same sort of drama. So I'm not a big fan of these types of shows because I just think they're repetitive and boring and unnecessary. But many people seem to like these shows, so I don't judge. One way in English that we commonly say something is repetitive that I want you to know is if we say something sounds like a broken record. And this can be used as an insult too. If someone keeps reminding you of the same thing or giving you the same advice over and over again and it just feels repetitive and unnecessary, you can say you sound like a broken record. What's the best place to go in order to be totally isolated? So if you want to truly be isolated, I would guess going to an island in the middle of the ocean would be the best place that you could go. To me, to feel alone with my thoughts, I usually am just a big believer in going out for a walk and not having to talk to other people and disconnecting from my phone. When we say that something is isolated or someone is isolated, it means that they are away from other people. During the pandemic, many of us felt very isolated away from our friends and our family because we were trying not to get sick. Some people say that the most isolated country in the world is North Korea because they don't have access to any media or outside technologies. So being isolated doesn't always have to mean that you're alone but it can mean that you're away from other people or you can isolate from things like technology. Now, I always tell my students that when they learn new vocabulary that they want to remember, they should always try to quiz themselves to try to get it deep in their brain. So in today's lesson, I'm going to give you a vocabulary quiz. Make sure to comment how many answers you got correct out of these eight questions. And for the ones that you got incorrect, go ahead and try to make an example sentence. We can all practice together. Number one, 
this type of person would cry during a very sad movie, and they always feel very nostalgic. They are sentimental. Number two, if something is being used by another person or a space is being used by other people, you can say that it is occupied. In order to be a successful chess player, you must always be thinking about what you will do next on the board. You must be very strategic. If something or someone is kept away from other people, it can be described as isolated. If you are slow at making a decision or you often second guess yourself, you can be described as hesitant. If you hear a song on repeat over and over again, it will be very repetitive. The pain that you experience when shattering a bone in your body can be very debilitating. And finally, when you are very unmotivated and uninterested in your job, you are very apathetic. Thank you again for studying with me in today's English lesson. I hope that you take these eight advanced adjectives and add them to your vocabulary for your next English conversation. And if you want to practice natural English conversations for six weeks, make sure to visit EnglishWithKayla.com to sign up for the Upgrade to Native English conversation course. Now this course my students are saying that they have learned tons of new phrasal verbs and idioms they actually hear in their English conversations, especially with American speakers. So you'll benefit from this course by learning over 200 new phrases. I can't wait for you to join. Thanks again for studying with me. I'll see you in the next lesson. Goodbye.